I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hello guys and welcome to episode 12 of the Travel Talks podcast. This week I'm joined by my good mate Danny Barcelona. What's her name by the way? For those of you who don't know, Danny is a DJ on Milo FM and also I'm excited to talk to him about food as well because we've got a mutual interest in food. We talk about the best places to eat, what it's like growing up in an Italian household and also Danny can speak three languages so he gives us some tips on how he learns a language and how long it really takes. I hope you guys enjoy it. There is no way I would ever say to someone, do not go and live in another country. And it's never too late. There's a lot of people that think, um, it's too late now, I'll never learn the language. No, literally never ever too late to learn a new skill. They, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be biased, but I think Italian food probably is up there with some of the best food in the world. Right, so you're the person that picks the tomatoes, then it's Nan is always the one that's making the sauce, then you're on bottling, you're on screwing the lid on, like, it's like a proper family thing. Danny, it's great to have you on the podcast, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks, man. How are you? Yeah, really good, man. So I can't wait to talk to you about lots of different elements because I, I know we've got a lot of things in common, like we both love food. I really want to pick your brains on all the languages you speak and also learn more about what it's like to grow up in an Italian household as well. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of fun growing up in an Italian household, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but I first want to start with um, the fact that you're the producer and host of the Roundup show on Marlo FM. Where did your love for Radio Spark from? Oh, that's a great question. I have no idea. I think maybe selfishly I just like talking <laughs> a yeah. lot and I, and I heard that a lot from from friends when I was growing up they're like you love talking don't you you never you never stop talking and then I thought well maybe I should just do radio and then just yeah I took a gap year after I finished my undergraduate degree and I was like I don't really know what I want to do and then I just saw Marlow FM it's literally down the down the road from where I live back at home and I thought I'll go for it. And then started off completely out of my comfort zone on a Friday night drive time show talking about like music and like current <laughs> events. And that is like completely not me. So I was having to do like a lot of research before every Friday night and then just did that for a year. Um, and then, yeah, the sports show came up and I was like, mm. that that is me. That is very, very me. So just went headfirst into it. Brilliant, man. Were, were there any DJs you listened to growing up which influenced your style? No, I, as a kid, I always loved Capital Breakfast, like in the mornings driving to school, because we were always late. I always managed to hear like the end of the breakfast show and then the start of the next show. So I got like 
I was sort of, I'm probably showing my age, like Chris Tarrant was like the person that I grew up with being the Capital Morning Breakfast Show. Mm. Then it moves on sort of Johnny Vaughan a little bit. And then as I've gotten older, like Greg James is fantastic on BBC. So there's like quite a few like non-sports people that, that have sort of shaped the way that, that I try to style my radio on. But I think like you'll find it as well. I'm sure you found it with this podcast, the episodes you've done. You can sort of take things from people that you listen to, but at the end of the day, you'll find your own style that you're sort of comfortable with and, and you just sort of fly with. Oh, fantastic, man. I want to talk about travel and how travel has impacted your life and shaped your life. How important is travel to you? I love it. It's, you know what? From, from an early age, without realising it, it was probably the most important part of my life because my mum was a travel agent. And that was something that like, as a kid, you just never think about it. So like, it's just what my mum <laughs> does. But then realise like subconsciously, I just always had travel around me. And I guess also coming from an Italian family, like my dad came over to England when he was 18. So there was always that aspect of him doing like a quite weird travel to come to a country, didn't speak any other language. And then my mum booking holidays at every given opportunity because <laughs> that was just what she did for a job. So she was like, well, if I'm booking holidays for other people, I've got to book holidays for us as well. I can't be, I can't just be watching people go and enjoy themselves. So where, where did you go on holiday as a child then? Ah, loads of, you know what? everywhere like we did staycations in england italy was like a staple it was mm. essentially the three main parts of the year easter summer or christmas it was like on rotation you just pick two two times of the year we'd go back home to to visit the grandparents which was always fun it was it was a weird thing to do like because christmas in italy is very different and it's it's something that i sort of got as a child now looking back on it as a positive thing because you get to ask you get to see two different cultures mm. but like over here you'd have christmas and like your friends would be like oh yeah like had roast turkey had like pigs and blankets like woke up early and, and it's like had a plate of pasta had, had some fish like it's really stereotypical but it literally is like it, you wake up and in italy i mean i don't know if it's the same for all over Italy, but for my family christmas eve is a bigger day than christmas day so like christmas eve is when we get all our presents and we open them in the evening and then christmas day is just a day where we just sleep and eat food it's actually not too di- not too dissimilar to it it sounds it sounds quite similar to me <laughs> just no yorkshire puddings no <laughs> so where, whereabouts in italy are your family from then uh so we're from sicily and my dad's from this small little town called castatevne which is in agrigento which is like a it's a really sort of like historical place in sicily there's like a lot of like ancient ruins and stuff and it's a really nice place to see as well like when you get the opportunity to actually travel out I didn't do it much as a kid because you're just going home to see the grandparents but you get to actually understand there's quite a lot of history around which is is always nice to pick up when you actually appreciate it Mm. so you spent most of your holidays in Italy in Sicily yeah I I don't think I went to mainland Italy until I was older I mean they potentially could have gone when I was like very young but I don't remember going the only time I ever remember going to mainland Italy was one holiday where my dad I don't know why he decided to do this, but he thought, let's drive to Sicily because that's a thing. <laughs> that's a thing you do with two young children. Like, I think I was eight, maybe. And my, my brother would have been like five. I think maybe a little bit older. But we just, yeah, drove all the way, took the ferry uh, over to France, drove through France, all the way through Italy in a, in a not a very spacious car. I'll be honest, <laughs> it, was, it was uncomfortable. We got there in the end, but I think... I want to say it was like a day's worth of driving. It, it wasn't, wow. It, it would have been more, surely. It, it was horrendous. I can't, I was young, so I can't really remember, but I, it was, um, 
I've never been more happy to step out of a car in my entire life. <laughs> Just, are we there yet? The whole... <laughs> Literally, like... I think there was a thing that I developed probably from that journey is the fact that I just fall asleep as soon as I get on any sort of public transport. If I know I've got a long journey ahead, I'm like, you know what? It's just easier to fall asleep. But I'm it's very jealous. A, it's not even a long journey. I remember when I was I like two or three years ago, I was in Spain and we were just flying from Spain to Berlin, which I think is like a 50 minute flight. Mm. Just just fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> got, just got on the plane and was like, yeah, I think I should probably have a nap. I want to take us back to um, that trip that you took to Italy, because we've spoken in the past about the differences between the north and south of Italy. And I wondered if you could elaborate on that for our listeners. Yeah, so I guess I'm probably like a really biased person to ask because I and I, I don't know many northern Italians, but I think there's like <laughs> like a weird rivalry. So it's like southern Italians. My grandparents are like, yeah, those northern Italians and their ways. <laughs> but it's so, yeah, I think it's just a difference in in sort of what is prevalent. So in the south, you get like a lot of crop farming, you get a lot of gardening. So like my grandparents, I don't really know what the English word for is, but they have like a country house, I think is the okay, way yeah. where they do like um, so they like raise animals like as they've gotten older, less animals, but like more sort of vegetables. I mean, tomatoes are just a staple. Like it's, it's stereotypical, but it is true. Mm -hmm. Like remember as a kid going back and it's like, if you're there at the right time or the wrong time, depending if you're lazy, mm -hmm. it's like a, it's a proper family. Like, right. So you're the person that picks the tomatoes. Then it's Nan is always the one that's making the sauce. Then you're on bottling. You're on screwing the lid on. Like it's like a proper family thing. Whereas in the North, it's more, sort of more your technology more of your industry so the north is it's probably fair to say is more richer and probably more comes from it whereas the south provides you with all the tasty foods that everyone enjoys over here so what was it like being involved in that environment as a child growing up with food as a big part of your life from an early age oh, i loved it the funny thing is like i have a younger brother and, and we sort of have two very different attitudes towards food so whereas we both obviously grew up in exactly the same household i just like took to food like a duck to water i just loved it so i was always like trying to learn things i was always trying to get involved with my grandparents always getting involved with my mom whereas my brother just sort of took a back seat and just didn't really bother looking back on it now that sort of shaped my idea of why food has become so important in my life like when you taste good food that early on you kind of don't want to eat anything else mm. it just makes sense to go well this tastes amazing so why would I not learn how to make food like this so that for the rest of my life, I'm pretty cushy? <laughs> Was your grandmother or grandfather one of the best chefs you've ever experienced then? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's just one of those things that as a kid, everything they made tasted good. And I thought, oh, maybe it's just because I'm a kid and it's just supposed to taste nice. And then you get older and you're like, oh, no, I still like I'm not a great fan of pasta, which is very weird thing okay. for an Italian person to say. But if my nan made me a plate of pasta, like I'd eat it happily and go mm. back for seconds because it's just that good. I fair to my parents as well. Both my parents are really good chefs. I made my mum cry once. Back okay. in like a in a horrendous way. <laughs> so she made she made a carbonara, which is stereotypically not a very southern Italian dish. It's more of a northern Italian dish, just because of the ingredients you're using. And it was really nice. Like it was mm. it was lovely. And then the next day, my dad was like, "Oh no, I, I want to make one as well." And I was like, "Okay, like have like a cook off." And my dad's was just better. Like it was just it was just nicer. And and it's because he used it like the proper traditional, like using an egg rather than putting in cream and stuff mm, okay. to make it. And obviously I was like 13 years old. I was like, oh, this is really nice. It's probably better than mum's. And I was <laughs> like, mum was like, that's fine. All right. Well, let me 
maybe dad could come back home early from work every day and cook <laughs> and i was just like i didn't mean it i'm sorry <laughs> i wanted to uh, keep keep the theme of italy going and um, ask you is, is is there a best kept secret in italy somewhere which perhaps doesn't get spoken about but you would suggest Ooh, that's a great question you know what there's there's a lot of places in italy that that i'd love to go to and i haven't been to mainland italy much i've been to rome a couple of times which is sort of classic like you think of italy you think oh let's go to rome let's go to milan but just talking from experience there's a place in sicily called taormina which is it's just a, like a touristy town but it's just really nice it's mm. just it's not really that busy there's a lot to see you can go see etna around the corner as well if you're a fan of volcanoes and it's just a sort of quaint nice little place mm. but I, you can't really go wrong in italy to be honest you go to the north, you you get like we've talked earlier, you get sort of more sort of industry. So it's a bit busier. It's a more sort of cosmopolitan city as like you go London. It's, it's essentially like Milan, Rome is that sort of city. Mm. Whereas if you go down to the south, you go to Naples, go to Pisa, you go to Venice, you got sort of more quaint. I know those aren't best kept secrets. Everyone mm. knows Venice. But if you go sort of down the south, you can just find some really nice, quaint places where, you know, you can just sort of grab a drink, grab some food and just just completely relax and not have to worry about anything. Yeah, nice man. So how did you find Rome when you went there? You know what? I like Rome, but it's, I wouldn't go back again. I've been a couple of times. The first time I went was lovely. I've, I've never been before, so it was proper touristy. Go and do all the things, you know, go and see the Vatican, go and see the Colosseum. Mm. I, actually, I actually went originally to go and see a Maroon 5 concert and they canc- <laughs> they cancelled the day I arrived because uh, such culture I have my love for Maroon 5 also comes from traveling which I no doubt get on to later nice. but like got there and yeah literally a day later they're like sorry Adam Levine's ill so cancelled and I was like oh I've got to do something now so decided me and a mate just decided to go around doing all the touristy bits mm. and then a few years later when I was a bit older went back again and it was a little bit more family orientated so it was going to a few nicer restaurants because I wasn't paying at that point so mm. I was like oh I can have some nice food the thing is I'd say if you're going and you're traveling to Rome maybe not now because of the way the world is but <laughs> in the future just stay off like the after you've done all the touristy stuff if we're talking food wise stay off the main street mm. go find little cobbled streets go and find little places to just get some food because you'll get shafted tourist wise where they'll mm. give you this incredible like set menu but it's not proper Italian food. Like it'll still taste good because you're in Italy, but it's not proper Italian food. Whereas you can find just like little independent places where they'll feed you for like nothing and you'll be getting like massive plates of food. So yeah, a little tip if you're ever going there, just anywhere in Italy, just find independent places where they basically don't give you a menu. Like you, you sit down and they're like, do you have any allergies or any dietary requirements? You're like, no, I'm fine. They're like, well, you're you're getting this. You're going to get this. Uh-huh. You're going to share this meal. <laughs> and that's what you're going to have. Did you see Molly Mae from Love Island speak about Italian food recently? Oh, I hate it. It made my blood boil. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's not that good. It's like, sorry, well, I've been loads of times and it's just overrated and not that good. Well, you're wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> But the thing is, I'm, I'm one of those people that it purely depends on what your idea of good food is, because I've got a lot of friends who love spicy food. So they're not really big fans of Italian food because there's not really much spice in Italian food. But mm. then I always go back with, well, you don't need to just make food spicy to make it taste good. Mm. I want to move away from food a little bit and talk to you um, about travel again. So is there a favorite city you've ever been to in the whole world? Oh, 
New York. Is that cliche to say? It's everyone's favourite. There's just something about it. It's just so good. And I think it's the fact that you can basically be in like 10 different places at once. Like you can... You can go to sort of Brooklyn and experience that side of town. You can get the subway to just another part of town and you can, I don't know, see like Staten Island if you go over the ferry. And it's just like you can experience these completely different cultures within one city. So you feel like you're on sort of multiple holidays at the same time. Mm. And I've, I've been lucky enough and fortunate enough to go back a few times. And every single time it's just unlike Rome, where the second time was a bit like, eh. I've seen this. Mm-hmm. Second time I went back to New York, it's like I'd been never been there, just yeah. discovering new things. When did you go? Um, the first time I went was, it would have been 2014, 2015, um, with my parents. And it was it was great. And then the second time I went was last summer, um, my cousin's wedding in Ohio. And I thought, you know what, might as well. We had to change at Newark. So I was like, well, might as well spend a few days in new york anyway because we're gonna have to change and and yeah that was it was just as good as the first time you just get to see new places get to see new things even going back to the same like sites going back to the rockefeller center Mm. going back to all the normal places you still go this is still great and i hate heights and it was still great if you had to design a an itinerary for someone who'd not been to new york and you had to give them a list of like let's say the main attractions that you wanted them to go see what would you say okay rockefeller center yeah at, at top of the list unbelievable and see, I'm trying to think of stuff that's not food related because I'm, <laughs> I'm always just food and travel are like just two things to me that just click mm. all the time. Um, where else could you go? Madison Square Garden, if you're a sports fan, just mm. because I, I went there the first time just to go watch New York Knicks play. And I'm not a New York Knicks fan, but I was thinking I'm in New York. I'm not not going to see yeah. a sports game like I have to. There's actually so much to do that I've forgotten all of the things that I did in New York. And all I can think about is all the food places that I visited. Yeah, go on then. Where, where, where did you go? So you've got to go Grimaldi's. If you're going okay. to go to a pizza place, it's like, I think it's just known as like the best pizza place. So go there. It's it's insane and really good price. Like okay. Most American food is decent, but it was Oh, Times Square. There you go. I've remembered ah. to def- definitely go to Times Square. And I only remember Times Square because there's a cheesecake place in, the, <laughs> in Times Square. It's a restaurant that just does really good cheesecake. Go there. Things called Juniors. That's really good cheesecake. Just just on the pizza momentarily. What, what are you having on your pizza? Are you keeping it t- traditional? Uh, tomato, margarita and some basil? So they're really cool. So you basically order like a traditional pizza pie. Mm. And then there's just like a list of toppings and you basically <laughs> just pick all of your toppings so when i went there i think i went regular pizza i whacked some sausage on it some olives mm. maybe some peppers as well it, uh, it was just and it's huge as well like you're not you're not sitting there thinking oh i'm spending 25 dollars oh, it's going to be like a, a small little piece it comes on like this massive tray mm. and you're thinking if i wasn't sharing this with like three other people i would be <laughs> absolutely done for but it's just a very solid, solid pizza. I wouldn't say quite as good as just a... I'm a, a fan of just a regular margarita. Yeah. I, I, I'm a plain is best guy, but it, it was very... It was up there. Like I was almost scared to say to my dad, this might be better than yours. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other good places in New York. This is a chain place, but when I went to New York the first time, literally finished watching the New York Knicks play the Denver Nuggets, met up with my parents. They're like, oh, what do you want to do now? And I was like, I really want pancakes. And I've always heard about IHOP. Like, it's just the yeah. one thing. Like, you don't have it over here. And I was like, I really want IHOP. 
and my mom was like oh, okay well yeah we'll go to ihop now people listening at home will probably definitely know new york better but i'm pretty sure madison square garden is something like 52nd or 60th street in new york and the ihop is on 13th street so that's quite that's like 40 blocks away like it's quite a long way wow. so we're like should we get the subway my mom was like no it's fine like we should walk because it was <laughs> november at the time so it was really cold. Mm. So I was like, well, let's make the most of whilst it's like midday, the weather's relatively nice. Let's walk. So we walked for like an hour. Oh. We rock up at this IHOP, like sweating and out of breath. And this waitress is like, are y'all okay? And we're like, <laughs> pancakes, please. <laughs> and they're some of the best pancakes I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, describe them to me. What were they like? Uh, so I went traditional blueberry, just proper. It's a chain mm. restaurant. So I thought nothing of it, but it was like nice, light, blueberry pancakes i think my brother went chocolate chip and then my parents just sort of dug in with whatever we were getting but just lathered it in blueberry sauce and it was i don't know if it was the hour walk that made them taste better but they were just (laughs) so sweet and so light and fluffy and it was like ah this is this is the place if i had to push you for another city then perhaps that was a bit cheaper and you had to go there on a budget which would you choose then oh love that so i love valencia and it's not too expensive. It's a really, really nice place. And there's loads of places in Spain that are, that are really nice. But I've had friends in Valencia for, for some time. So it's just a place that I've sort of gone back to a couple of occasions. There's a nice things to see. Again, if you're a sports fan, you can you can go watch the Valencia play. Like I was my friend who, who lives over there. Um, I went to go. I have a, like this weird habit of when I go to places on holiday, my memorabilia is to just buy a football shirt. Mm. It's an expensive habit, but (laughs) (laughs) and when I went to Valencia the first time, I was like, I'm just going to go and buy one from the club store because I thought, why not? Mm. So I bought the iconic like orange Valencia top and they were like, oh, we're having an offer at the moment. If you every time you spend over 30 euros, you get a free ticket to watch the friendly against Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, wow. Uh, I was like, okay, well, I got my brother one as well. So we got two tickets. Unfortunately, we couldn't see the match because it was two days after our flight. So I just gave it to my mate. I was like, there you go. Mm. You just, you take it. And oh, he nice. like messaged, messaged me back like a week later and was like, you know, the girl that I've been talking to you about all the time, she said yes to come to the game and now we're dating because of it. Oh, so thank wow. you. Thank you for buying those two Valencia shirts. I was like, hey, just, just doing my bit. Just oh, doing what, my bit. What a wingman. I like, didn't even mean it. But <laughs> yeah, Valencia is really nice. And there's a thing um, called Las Fayas mm. in, in Valencia, which is, oh, I don't really know how to describe it apart from think of bonfire night, but just think of it like citywide. So okay. people build these statues. So it'd be like caricatures of people. It'd be anything. Like It can be like tall politicians. It can be like a fun fair. They build these around the city and then they just set them on fire. <laughs> so you've got like an entire city that is just on fire with like fireworks and then in the middle of the sort of the town there's a huge huge like sort of display where there's more iconic ones like they, they were mental like there was one guy i mean i don't know how many people built them i imagine loads but there was like a like a giant like lion like standing on top of like a globe in the middle of town and they just set it on fire and it, if you get a chance to go to valencia that is one travel thing you, you have to do las fires is is unbelievable that you don't need to wrap up warm even though it's like freezing cold it's just fire <laughs> everywhere so you're, you're quite warm amazing planning for your next trip 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you could um, live in any other city. New York again, but I feel like I can't just keep saying New York. That's fine. It just seems great. It seems mm. just like a lovely, lovely place to to be nice and busy. I mean, maybe the busyness factor would annoy me because it is literally the city that never sleeps to the mm-hmm. point that you like if you're in the wrong part of town, you're essentially just got lights 24 seven, like going into your window. San Francisco would be like a second shout for me as well. That was a, just a mm. lovely place to visit and very it's a very similar sort of city, like very like busy and things happening but was just a I, there was something about San Fran which was a little bit more chilled vibe like it was still busy but people were a little bit more relaxed than New York amazing man San Francisco's always been on my bucket list what's it what's it actually like oh it's great I I did a road trip with my family where we landed in San Francisco and then drove all the way down like doing like Santa Monica Santa Barbara till we got to LA and then went to Vegas as like oh. a as like a road trip and, and San Fran was great. The food as well is is so good. Mm. It's just proper nice food. I had probably one of the best meals I've ever had there. Okay. It was literally just a simple bowl of like uh crab chowder in in like a sourdough bread. Okay. It was just it was just amazing. And it's another city that you can just see loads of things. I, I not many things spring to mind in terms of iconic places, but San Francisco Bay is incredible. The Golden Gate Bridge. If you get a chance to do the bus tour, mm. do it because it's Alcatraz as well. We mm. went to that and that's creepy, like quite still very eerie, but yeah. incredible to to see. If you do do the bus tour though, you have to stay on top. Don't okay. don't don't be a wuss like my parents and go downstairs and sit inside the nice, comfortable, warm bit of the bus. <laughs> sit on top of the bus, wrap up warm, and drive over the top of the Golden Gate Bridge because when we when you go over it, like 
it's all sunny it's all fine you get to the bridge and it just turns to fog like probably the time of year that we went but mm. you just couldn't see anything and it was it was incredible you're just like it's like a horror movie you know when like uh, you're sort of driving into like an eerie part and it's like the fog descends and you can't really see past like your hand in front of you <laughs> it was like that but yeah no San Francisco is an, an incredible place. Great food and, and really good places to visit. I ask you that because I, of course, know that you lived in Spain for a year. I wondered if you could touch on that and tell us what it was for and uh, how it was. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. I was, I was very fortunate to, to live in Spain for a year as part of my university degree. So not only did I get paid to essentially live in Spain, thanks to the Erasmus scheme, mm. I basically went to uni there and got to experience a completely different culture in all aspects you get to study in spain which is is weird it's like completely different from university here just purely because the class like you basically don't have any seminars over here you'll have like a lecture with like a couple of hundred people and then you'll break off into seminars where it's more like sort of considered and you get more time to actually talk through points whereas over there it was just all lectures like it was just like 50 people in a class and that and that's it and they just take a two-hour break during the day for a siesta <laughs> which is it's the greatest thing in the world. And I've, and I've never quite readapted to English living after having a year of just knowing at two o'clock that nothing is open and just going, mm. just going to go for a nap because <laughs> why, why wouldn't I? And it, it's, it's needed. I lived in a place called Murcia, which is down in the south. And in the summer, it got to 51 degrees. Oh. So you're thinking, do I stay up and sweat or do I just mm. try and get a bit of kip? Um, and you just always choose the nap. Yeah, I loved living in Spain. And, and yeah, like I said, fortunate enough to do it as part of my uni degree. So there wasn't too much pressure in terms of like having to try and find a job or anything. So mm. actually just got to do a load of traveling. Oh, amazing. It sounds to me like a brave decision, though. Would you urge people to do the same? Yes. I, I, there is no way I would ever say to someone, do not go and live in another country because it just is the best. If you're trying to learn a language, I think the only way you're going to do it properly is go and live in another country. Mm. Go in and indulge in, in everything because you pick up things from a language side of things. You pick up things that you would never think of because you, you're sitting there, you're learning a language like I'm going to learn oh, where's the train station or like how, how do I go here? How do I go there? You learn your normal things. But then in English, we use so many like slang words that no other person from another culture would ever understand unless they went there and went, I have no idea what this means. Like, can you explain it to me? So definitely. And, and just for the pure aspect of getting to see a different culture as well, you get to take in so many things that you'd never see, like sort of in a weird geeky way, you get to see loads of architecture that you wouldn't see. You're sort of used to being in England, you see sort of old style Victorian housing, you see different periods of English culture, but mm. then you go away to Spain and you get to see this like sort of Baroque or this Gothic architecture that you think is actually looks so cool. And mm. I would never really experience that if I didn't just, go and travel around Spain for an entire year instead of studying. Oh, amazing, man. You're selling the dream to me. Yeah, I, I'd go, go, definitely. You, ha you have to just, if it's a weird world, obviously at the moment, and, and it's probably not possible, but if there's any point where you can have like a break to just for a few months to go and live in another country, if you have to live in a country, where would you go or place? I think, although I've never even been, the idea of living in somewhere like Thailand or Bali really stands out to me just because of the amazing kind of sights you can see. It just seems mm. like a different world. And especially, I kind of think because I've never been, it's just all in my mind at the moment. It's all this distant dream, especially at the moment when we can't travel. So I would say somewhere like Bali or Thailand, 
just because there are so many sites that I want to see that I haven't yet seen. So good. I, uh, they they sound like when you say those places, you just sound cool, and you just imagine very clear water and very chill vibes. Yeah. You mentioned Mercia there, and I definitely didn't say that correctly. Can, can you can you say it again for me? Because it sounded awesome when you said it. I think it's Murcia, but they'll probably pronounce it a different way. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> What's Murcia like? It, it's a it's a nice place. Like it's quite. Don't if you ever fly to Murcia, don't make the mistake I did and fly to Murcia Airport because it's a very small airport with very few transport links. So it takes you quite a while to actually get into Murcia. Whereas just fly to Alicante and you can get a bus for five euros okay. <laughs> and it's like half an hour away. So it's not too far from, from Alicante. So it's, it's quite touristy just because it's that part of Spain. But when you actually get into sort of the heart of Murcia, I lived in basically the city center. It's really nice, really sort of cosmopolitan, very mixed. And the thing that I loved as well. So there's like two sides of, of the city. There's like the main town hub and then the sort of, I don't know how to say it. There's like a bridge, but over the bridge, you get people from loads of different cultures. So it's more like the sort of the immigrants to Spain that live on that side of the bridge. I was like waking up to like reggaeton music playing out of my window. Like it's just a proper nice way to just walk out and see like, I like live next to some Brazilian people. I live next to some Dominican people. One of my flatmates was French. So it's just like you get to experience, even though you're in Spain, you get to experience all these different cultures. Like one of my flatmates, was so he's half Norwegian, half Mexican, and a professional tennis player. And I was like, "Wow, like it's mental." <laughs> like I was just sort of sitting in the kitchen, and he was talking on the phone to I'm guessing his parents or, or his family, mm. and then he just started talking in English. And I was like, "Are you English?" He was like, "Wait, you're English?" I was like, "I yeah, <laughs> I'm English." He was like, "No, I'm Norwegian, but I speak English." And then just from there, you just strike up a conversation with someone that you never knew. And, yeah, I hope Anders is is going strong in the professional tennis scene. <laughs> nice, man. Did you go out there on your own? Uh, no. So I went with um, my then girlfriend at the time. Um, we both studied Spanish. So we both went to, to Murcia and it was it was good. You know what? It's one of the things that I'm glad that she was there as well, because mm. as much as I'd love to have done it alone and I thought I would have been struck, like, it's definitely great to have someone there that is also looking after you at the same mm. time because you do get homesick. It was the first mm. time I'd properly lived away from home for like an entire year. So it was good to have an anchor with someone there to go, oh, you know what, you're, you're having a bad day, but it's okay, don't worry about it. Yeah. And then at the same time, it means that you get to actually go and do load of stuff because you're not worried about going like, oh, do I want to go to this place on my own? So mm-hmm. You've got someone else there and you're like, I remember there was possibly one of the greatest trips that we did whilst we were in Spain. It was like a Thursday night, Thursday night, Friday night. Mm couple of two friends that we'd met there as well were like oh we're we're going home this weekend they both booked so we basically had nothing to do and we were like well we're not just going to sit and do nothing for the weekend so we just booked a trip to Seville because we we're like why not we've got mm. nothing else to do so we looked and it was like the bus leaves in like three hours it was like midnight like well might as well it's a seven hour bus ride wow. so we're just we're just going to sleep on the bus anyway <laughs> we might as well so literally last minute, packed a load of stuff, ran to the bus station, got on this bus for seven hours. It was just mental. You just rock up in, in a completely different city. And, and unfortunately, we couldn't get into the hotel until 10. So we just did a load of sightseeing at like seven o'clock in the morning, which was lovely because mm. it was still light. Mm. There was no one there. These lovely places that we got to visit, like these churches and different places, we just got to see without anyone there. 
and then we just went to go back to home and fell asleep for four hours and went back <laughs> out again. Would you say that you're quite a spontaneous traveller then? You know what? At times, yeah. I, I like travelling. I'm not as spontaneous as my mum, who is the sort of person who would just walk in the room and go, I've booked us a trip to Dublin. <laughs> How? You were at work 20 minutes ago. How do you even do that? But I, I think I'd probably say in times I'm spontaneous, but I like to plan things out. Mm. So probably not to sponsor but there's just sometimes where i i'm a person that like reacts to how other people are so if someone like if you ran to me and were like i've got a spare ticket to go to dubai do you want to come i'd be like yes yeah. I, I'm, it doesn't matter where like you could say like i'm going to bognor regis i'll be like yeah all right like, yeah. I, I don't mind that at all that's part of the joy of traveling as well sometimes you just like you were saying earlier sometimes you you have these dreams and you're like oh this is going to be idyllic this is going to be picturesque and then there's other times where you just sort of rock up and you go I had no idea this was here, but mm. make it any less impactful. Like if anything, it makes it even better because I had no clue that I was going to rock up to this place. A bit like that Seville trip where yeah. we booked it literally on the night last minute. And it was just like, ah, oh, okay. This I wasn't expecting to be in, in Seville on a Saturday morning at 6am, but here we are. Yeah. You mentioned that you were out in Spain studying Spanish. Did you speak the language before you went? Yeah, luckily... I sort of always had an interest in Spanish mm. since I was a kid. Like I had like Spanish friends, Argentinian friends. So I always spoke a little bit. And luckily enough, the secondary school I went to, you had to take a language mm. from which is, now I look back on it and think it's honestly the best thing that ever came out of that like school. It was so nice to, at the time when you're like 11 years old, the last thing you want to be learning is a different language or you just mm. like, can't be bothered. It's hard work. But the fact that they went French, Spanish, pick one, uh, French, Spanish, or German, pick one. What do you want to do? And so I went for French and Spanish and then carried on Spanish further because it was just more fun. Then I went to uni, learned a bit of Spanish. So luckily before getting there, I did speak. I'd say I spoke, I thought I spoke great Spanish before I went to Spain. It was a lie. It was a, uh, it was a lie telling myself. I, that people were sitting there like, what are you saying? <laughs> you, can you speak slower and in a better accent, please? <laughs> So how many languages do you speak then? I know obviously you speak Italian, you speak English and Spanish. It's embarrassing to say I probably speak better Spanish than I do Italian. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I, I, at home, we sort of were never taught the proper Italian. So we were taught the dialect. So I speak like a Sicilian dialect. So I speak Spanish better than I do Italian, which is really embarrassing. Mm. Um, I speak a little bit of French just because, again, I had to learn it. And when I was a tennis coach, I had to teach some French foreign exchange students. So you just pick up random little phrases and little words they teach you. A tiny, like literally like two sentences of German because my mm. cousins live in Germany. And then I was learning a bit of Arabic as well, but I literally know just wow. rude words and sentences from what people taught me. That's so impressive. And I think you're downplaying it as well because I've, I've had a go at learning Spanish in the past and I'd never get beyond, let's say a month of learning because I just don't have the patience for it. If you had to give any advice to someone who's trying to learn a language, what would you say? You say that though, your Spanish was good because then I texted you in yeah. pure Spanish. You completely understood. So for yeah. a month, for a month of Spanish, you did very, very well. <laughs> Google Translate, Danny. Google Translate. <laughs> I was giving you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> definitely, definitely try. I mean, in the current climate, it's difficult, but definitely try and speak with a native speaker. Mm. And I think even in this current climate, it's a really good way to have a pen pal, essentially because it's, a, it's just a great way. You will never know as a, as a foreign language speaker if you're saying something incorrectly with a slight wrong intonation on, on the wrong accent or if you're pronouncing it differently until you speak to someone from that place. 
and they'll be able to go, hey, you know what, you're saying this bang on perfect, but maybe you're rolling your R wrong in this word or you're not rolling your R in this word. So mm. I'd say most importantly, if we were living in a, in a COVID-free world, just travel to, to places that speak that language because you will also gain a completely different idea of the language depending on where you go. So I grew up with a lot of Argentinian friends and Argentinian Spanish is very, like it's still Spanish, but mm. their pronunciations are very odd and, and not odd in like a bad way, just in a having learned Spanish from like a traditional Castellano, which is like the main center Madrid Spanish. You listen to an Argentinian speak and they just start, it's not slurring, but like in Spanish, you when you refer to yourself, you say yo, which is yeah. just Y-O as in I, but the Argentinians will say jo. Okay. And as an as an someone who's just learning the language, you're thinking they're saying Joe, and you're like, no, my name's Danny. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's not my name. They're like, no, no, that's that's how you say I, oh, and it's just it's incredible. So yeah, I'd say my my one piece of advice is practice loads, but definitely just try and speak to someone from that country because it's like riding a bike. You never mm. really forget. You say practice loads there. How much time do you think you have to commit to learn a language? I purely depends on the person. I, I don't really believe there's that whole like oh, I'll put in ten thousand hours thing, mm. and I don't. I I'm not a fan of that because you can put a lot of time into something and still be terrible at it if you're not doing it right. You can learn a language and you can put your ten thousand hours in, but if you're not learning it in the right way or if you're learning it in a way that isn't efficient, you'll never actually be good at that language. So I think it purely depends on the person because some people just have an I don't know, skill to picking up languages a lot quicker. I think it helps knowing that I grew up in an Italian household hearing a different language. It just, Italian is also very similar to Spanish. That's one thing. It's basically very similar. Like you can hear a Spanish person talk to you. And even as an Italian speaker, you can kind of understand it. So okay. I, I was very fortunate in the fact that it was something that was basically like, oh, I can hear it already without having mm. to do too much translation. But yeah, it, de it depends on the person. But I would say when I was learning it at uni, a, a couple of hours a day, one hour a day of speaking, one hour a day of of writing, because they complement each other a lot. You you can learn a language spoken, fantastic, but you need to still learn how to conjugate all your verbs, how to write things, because you never know where you're going to be in a position where someone goes, oh, you know what, I, I don't really speak the language, but I can read it. And you're like, mm. oh, oh, well, I can't write it. So <laughs> here we are. Do you think anyone can learn a language? Definitely. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things that it just requires a lot of time and effort. But to any de to any degree, you can learn a language, even mm. if it's so simple as just learning how to say, like, where is the train station? My name is my birthday is on the 12th of October. Mm. You can pick up anything. And I, it's one of those things in life that not even just with languages in just every general sense, every little bit will always help you out. I try not to say the Tesco's motto there. <laughs> every, <laughs> every little helps. But it's, it's true. Like You never know when when you'll just learn random phrases in a language and, and they'll they'll come up. Like, I mean, on a sort of flip side to it, I remember when I was studying it in Portsmouth and I was going to the cinema with all my mates. I was an Italian couple on the, um, on the elevator in front of us. And this was like 19-year-old Danny. So mm. my beard was just patchy and it looked awful. I mean, I don't have a great beard now, but... Oh, it, it looks good to me. looks good to me. <laughs> You're too kind. You're too kind. <laughs> it was, it was terrible. It was shocking. Anyway, so the girlfriend was facing me and the boyfriend was facing her. And, and she said in Italian, oh, that, that guy behind you has got a really ugly beard. 
Oh. <laughs> and and I just I just looked at her dead in the eye and was just like, oh, thank you very much. In, in Italian. <laughs> and I've never seen someone go bright red before in my entire oh. life. And the boyfriend was absolutely wetting himself. And I was like, she's right. It's it's horrendous. But you just never know when little things in, in life just pop up like that. So, yeah, just even if you're learning the most basic phrases in another language, what, what have you got to lose from it? You're only mm. expanding your own knowledge. And it's never too late. There's a lot of people that think, um, it's too late now. I'll never learn the language. No. One of my friends at uni was like in his mid-30s and he was learning Spanish. Mm. Literally never, ever too late to learn a new skill. So I know that we've got a mutual love of food and I can't wait to talk to you about food. We've touched on it already because it's just inevitable. Whenever we talk, I feel like it just always migrates towards food. <laughs> Would you consider yourself a foodie? A hundred percent. like yeah. a, mi- a million percent. <laughs> Does food dictate where you choose to travel to? In part, yeah. I, I, there's times where I've gone, there's a really nice food place in this city. Mm. Let's try and find a way to make this a stop on a, on a road trip. Now, I was listening to your podcast last week with, um, with Laura Woods. And, and it, the, when you said, I can't remember where you said you were. Sorry, mm. apologies. But is the That's all right. getting the 20 minute trek out of town to go to yes. like, that is me all over. Like I will go... There's a place that is now considered close, even though it's still 45 minutes away, but that is closer than it would be if I was in England. So we're yep. going there. Yeah, completely. That was in Miami. And it, it's, it's nice to bring it up now, especially to you, because it was an Italian restaurant and it's the best restaurant I've ever been to in my life. So we, we took this 20 minute cab. At, actually, no, we walked 20 minutes along the beach. So it was quite a nice walk as well. And we got to the restaurant and it was this tiny, tiny little intimate restaurant. And there was a man in the front window. It was almost like a bay window. And he's just sat there with a desk in front of him. And he's just making fresh pasta, rolling it through the machine. And you're thinking, wow, this is absolutely incredible. So I'm just there because I've already been on TripAdvisor and I've seen that it's got 5,000 ratings, all five star. No one's dared rate it anything lower. So we go in and it's this dimly lit. The table's quite close to each other, but far enough away from each other that it gives you that respect when you're talking to someone that I don't feel like I'm being earwigged. It's not wagamummers. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, that's a nice meal. Let me have some of your meal. <laughs> so we sat down and this waiter came over and it's all, all really nice. Hands you the menu. It's quite simple as well. So they've got some specials. And uh, I remember I had this spinach and ricotta ravioli and it came out and the table next to us had ordered this spaghetti and I don't know if it's a dish which you know of but it had this massive wheel of cheese and had this fresh spaghetti and they just put this fresh spaghetti inside the wheel of cheese and started rolling it around with these tongs and that kind of coated it in that melted cheese and lifted it straight onto the plate and I thought I should have ordered that (laughs) (laughs) it's food envy is is possibly one of my like great I hate having food envy like my my pet peeve is getting full up on food that isn't good. Like you mm. order something that you think is going to be amazing and you eat it and you're like, oh, this wasn't great. And now I'm full. And then, yeah, you look over at the table next to you and you've got this like massive wheel of cheese and spaghetti. And you're like, no, <laughs> I haven't got any room left. <laughs> How was your spinach ricotta though? Oh, it was fantastic, man. So, so good. Is there a best restaurant that you've been to? If I'm going to be like completely, completely honest, I went to the Fat Duck and this is food mm. summary. This is pure food snobbery, just wow. because when you think of the best restaurant, it's the only that it's like the anchor point for crazy, crazy food. Mm. Because my parents always knew I love food and always been a foodie. They basically went right for your A-levels. If you if you do good, mm. 
will get you and one one of my mates as well who's a bit of a foodie will let you go to the fat duck wow and and i am under no illusions that i've been very fortunate in my life like my my parents have have given me a lot a lot so like, i thank them for that but it's the craziest meal i've ever ever had it's like a 14 it was a 14 course taste the meal so like wow. ev- everything everything is small portions it's just crazy it's just proper mental like you go into a restaurant and you think i have an idea of what food is like mm. like i've eaten in many places before and so i am comfortable that i understand what i'm going to get served and then the first thing you get served is some guy rocks up to your table with a bowl of liquid nitrogen <laughs> and, a, and a squirty can of cream squirts it onto this spoon dips it in the liquid nitrogen and goes here you go eat this. <laughs> and you're like yes okay I will, I will eat this and it's just oh that some of the food not all of it was to my liking i'm not gonna lie and say oh it was all amazing you'll love it there was one course where the main part of it was like um roasted pigeon with like this um chip sort of thing not like a crisp sorry mm. with like um a foam and that was fine that tasted great but on the side of it was a bowl of all of the giblets that had been jellied and then sprinkled with sugar puffs. Wow. And I took a bite of this like sugar puff jelly and I don't like jelly anyway. And I'm now don't like sugar puffs, but it was just (laughs) the the strangest thing. But Mm. yeah, that that's like the most iconic meal I think I've ever had in a place just because it's so weird. So weird. I'm a dessert person through and through and the dessert, I will literally never forget. It was you got three different desserts, but the best one, it was a, a board of the United Kingdom. Okay. And it had cola bottles stuck to it, but the cola bottles were all whiskey and it was from different whiskies in Scotland and they were stuck to the geographical location where they were made. Uh. You just got to taste these like whiskey cola bottles and it was just like, this is an incredible way to end a meal. Mm. <laughs> So I wanted to go back to you growing up in an Italian household because obviously a massive part of that must have been the food. I probably didn't appreciate it as a kid because mm. as a kid, I was just looking, I was like, this is what my parents cooked. And then it wasn't until mm. I got older and then started going to friends' houses and I was like, <laughs> the food is a lot better back home. <laughs> <laughs> it was a horrible thing to say. But no, like it was one of those things that it was quite funny. One of my best friends growing up, every time I went to his house, always it was running joke still to this day running joke with his parents that every time we seem to go around we always seem to have like pizza just all mm. we just it just happened to be that we'd always be watching football so it was just the natural thing was like oh let's just order a pizza and there's a running joke throughout the every day that every time i saw them every time i went around where they were like we swear we don't just always eat pizza we actually <laughs> eat real food mm-hmm. so yeah growing up in an italian household was i think when friends came over they were like so confused They're like why why do you eat pasta and then more food? Like normally ah. pasta would be like a main meal. But at my house, it would always be like, here's a plate of pasta and then here's meat, potatoes, something else. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it it gave me a good sort of outlook on, on life to go, hey, you know what? You can just cook good food from scratch, even if you're really busy. Mm. I saw my mum do it, like rush back home from work, still make a really nice plate of pasta. Mm. My nan make my nan makes a nicer plate of pasta. No offense, mom, but that's just I, I loved it. And also, like now that my parents are a bit older and my, my dad's got a bit more time on his hands, especially like with winter and stuff, he's home from work earlier. 
Sunday is just a day where he just bakes bread mm. and pizza. And it's so it's so hard when you're trying to not eat excessive amounts of carbs yeah. to wake up to someone making pizza. <laughs> it's so difficult, but and I I absolutely love it. Like they, I'm not I'm not trying to be biased, but I think Italian food probably is up there with some of the best food in the world. Is there a signature dish which either your mum or dad cooks you, which you absolutely love? There's one dish that will always stick out to me, and it's just because. It's like the, you know, in, in English culture, when you're ill, people bring you soup. Mm. It's like the, it's like the go-to thing. There's like an Italian, like broth that essentially is just, just chop up like a load of celery, carrots, every vegetable under the sun, essentially whack it in chicken stock, shred some chicken in it, cook Mm. it. And it's just, when you're ill, it tastes amazing. And even when you're not ill, it's just like a proper hearty winter sort of broth. Mm. And, and it's not really like an like an iconic Italian dish, like loads of countries do that sort of just chicken broth. But I don't know why, but that is like the one plate of food that I will just happily have all the time. I think it's because it's not too heavily pasta based, but that is just it's just basically liquid with tiny little. I don't know. Again, I don't know the English, but it's tiny little pasta in it. it's called pastina. Oh, okay. Tiny, tiny little pasta. So you don't really feel like you're eating pasta at all. You just hate eating mm. is like hearty warm broth so that's a that's like my favorite dish and anytime my parents make it back home i'll happily have it nice man it's been brilliant talking to you danny i really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast as well some of the stories you've told have been amazing just make me want to visit all these new places especially spain and italy a few (laughs) few new places on the bucket list for sure thank you mate thank you very much for having me so there we go. That was episode 12 with Danny Barcelona. It was great to chat to Danny as always. And I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did too. Thanks as always for your support. It does mean so much to me. We've been getting loads of five-star reviews recently and we're flying up the charts. So thank you very much. Hopefully this series is the one where we can get up towards that number one spot in the UK places and travel podcast charts. Thanks for your support, guys. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% 
15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.